This is the Championship Chat Podcast, your home of news, views and debate from England's second tier. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Championship Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Jackson, and I'm joined, as always, by George Smith. George, how are you? Not too bad, mate. How about yourself? No, I don't want to talk about this week. There's only so much a journalist can be put through. And two 95th minute equalisers is too much. It's too much. Um, it's fair to say I lost all my professionalism when uh, when Preston equalised last night. I don't. I don't. For anyone that doesn't know, I don't even support Blackburn Rovers. But um, it's fair to say I just tweeted out an expletive when when that Domheim own goal flashed past Ainsley Pears into the back of the net. It's been a roller coaster week. It's fair to say. I think I feel like I've been in the in in the boxing ring. And I'm just sat watching and reporting on it. Never mind, I'm actually supporting the football club. So, God knows how the fans feel. But yeah, it's been it's been a it's been a dramatic week. It's fair to say. Yeah, it certainly has been. I mean, I've not seen either of the games, but it's certainly um, been littered with drama right at the death. But not necessarily the way Blackburn would have hoped for. But you know, elsewhere, what a weekend it's been. What a midweek it was. Lots to get. Yeah, through. absolutely. It's it's been. Packed full of drama, Crazy. and I'm looking forward to dissecting. We've only got two match days to go, George. After this, obviously, a few games in end in midweek, but we've got two match days to go. So, uh, significant not, squeaky bum time. There isn't a word for a third to last, is there? Obviously, you've got penultimate next weekend. We don't have a third to last word, do we? Don't know. We're journalists, and we're going to think that's quite embarrassing, isn't it? Plus, we'll do podcasts after. So, um, but yeah, there's three more podcasts. Looking forward to breaking down all the the key talking points from this weekend. As always, a reminder to make sure you subscribe to this podcast feed, which you can find on all your usual platforms, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ChampChatPod24. A massive thank you, as always, to our sponsors, Cards Accepted, for supporting the podcast this season. If you're looking to take card payments with no contract or monthly fees, visit CardsAccepted.co.uk. They provide a discount on the RRP of all sum-up devices, so make sure you go and check them out. And over the next hour, we'll be analysing a shock win at Turf Moor, more drama in the playoff race, and two last-ditch attempts at the Great Escape. This is the Championship Chat Podcast. George, we've got to start with Burnley 1, Queen's Park Rangers 2. A scoreline that still beggars belief well over 12 hours after full time. Burnley's unbeaten home record came to an end. They had the opportunity to be crowned as champions. And Queen's Park Rangers came and spoiled the party. Burnley hadn't lost a championship game at Turf Moor since 2015. Now, obviously, they've been in the Premier League for five, uh, for seven of those years. So that's kind of skewed. But when you combine it with the fact that Queen's Park Rangers had won one game in 2023, that's the championship. Half-time statistics, Burnley had 86% possession, possession and they missed a bundle of chances. Rob Dickey twice cleared off his own line, the second at a huge melee which saw Benson hit the bar with a header, the rebound fall to Ashley Barnes which was saved by Senny Dieng and then Benson again blocked by Dickey on the line. So it's fair to say that QPR lived dangerously in this game, particularly first half. It could have, been, it could have really been 3-0. You remember the Huddersfield game where Burnley were 3-0 up before, anywhere close to the break. It could have been like that had QPR not held out. But you get to half-time, you've weathered the storm, and a little bit of belief creeps in. And let's be fair, this is not a Burnley side playing at their absolute maximum right now. They've taken two points from the last three games, including the weekend's defeat, and a little bit of life. Loose ball in the box, Samfield gets hold of it, good chest control, and volleyed into the back of the net. 1-0 QPR. Then Arjen Robben steps up, just as he did in midweek, cutting inside. You know exactly what he's going to do, Manuel Benson, when he gets the ball. He's quite, you know, he's quite predictable, but you can't stop it. He did brilliantly with that goal against Rotherham, and this was a carbon copy, albeit into the top corner this time. I actually think the one against QPR is even better. Comes inside, beautiful finish, one all, game on. You're expecting an onslaught. But QPR did really well in the last 20 minutes. They really held their own and they didn't crumble. They didn't go under. And that's what they've done far too often this season and we've criticised them for that. So we should point out when they've booked that trend and give them credit where due. 
Dying seconds of the match, good cross into the box, header from substitute Chris Martin, 2-1. And even then they hung on and Burnley have scored a lot of late goals. And it's a priceless, priceless win for Queen's Park Rangers, isn't it? Um, the shape was far better. I quite like the balance of the team compared to recent weeks. 4-4-2, Jamal Lowe up front with Lyndon Dykes rather than the one-dimensional attacking duo of Chris Martin and Lyndon Dykes. Instead, you've got Lowe who can run in behind, who's got a bit of pace, a little bit of energy to play off Dykes. Elise Chair tucked in off the left um, in a narrow midfield four with Field and Tim Robinham in midfield in the centre. And the win takes Queen's Park Rangers up to 47 points. And that might just be enough, George, to keep them in the championship this season. Um, it puts them four points clear of Reading with two games left to play. And if they can stay up, I don't think I think 47 might be enough for them. And if it is, it gives them a summer to rebuild in the vision of Ainsworth because We've been consistent on the podcast. We said this was going to be a lot of short-term pain. It was a squad that did not fit his style. But I think we both had cautious optimism that this can be and this could be a positive appointment in the long run. But keeping QPR in the championship was an absolute must for that to happen. Yeah, I agree. I mean, first and foremost, I think this is without a doubt the shock of the whole EFL season. Shock result. I mean... I think Forest Green's win over Sheffield Wednesday in League One last month was, you know, a big shock where I would argue that this was even bigger. Obviously, Burnley have been absolutely relentless at home all season, steamrolling their way towards the title. They could have wrapped it up yesterday had they won that game at Turf Moor and all of a sudden, they're now three games, I think it is, without a win, Burnley. So it's quite a contrasting fortunes um, for them. UPR, what a victory. And first and foremost the confidence and belief they should get from a win like that. If that doesn't give them confidence, nothing will. And, you know, all of a sudden, even though they've been, you know, they've been diabolical since, you know, pretty much the end of October, really. All of a sudden, they've only lost one of the last four games. They've taken a respectable five points. They've had some difficult games in there. In the last four, they've all played teams with promotional playoff aspirations. And with the exception of the defeat to Coventry, They've taken points off each of them. So to go to Burnley and win is a remarkable result. And like you said, they could have quite easily been on the receiving end of a bit of a battering, you know, had Burnley had a little bit more luck in front of goal. But obviously things went QPR's way. Rob Dickey came to the raid in the first half. Benson, you know, denied a couple of times. But they dug in, they found a way in the second half. And, you know, Sam Field's goal was absolutely superb. Brilliant finish. Chris Martin, you know, he's latched onto that cross of Jamal Lowe's, directed a brilliant header in. And, you know, at that point, you just have to think maybe it is going to be QPR's day. And there's not been many of those days this calendar year. Let's be honest, they've only won once prior to that win at Turf Moor. So for QPR now, you know, like you've said, 47 points, it might just be enough. We'll come on to, you know, how the others in the relegation battle went shortly. But one other result strongly went their way, which we'll touch upon later. But for Gareth Ainsworth, like you said, we, we said at the time when he got the job, it was an appointment that screamed as being a long-term plan. Obviously, things have not gone as well as he would have hoped in the short term. And, you know, you can't mask that as much as, you know, you've got to try and get to the summer and then start a rebuild. In the meantime, you've still got to get results. And ultimately, Gareth Ainsworth hadn't been doing that. Let's be honest, you know, as a collective QPR, have been nowhere near good enough over the last few months. It's not just to blame to him, but, you know, he came in to get results. And for the most part, he's not done that. But like I say, to go to Burnley and get three points, become the first team to beat Burnley the Championship since December 2015 at home. Obviously, they've had several years in the Premier League in that time. Let's just point it's that out. quite a pointless stat, really, isn't it? It is, but, you know, obviously that was half a season unbeaten, technically, still. Yeah. So, you know, they've technically gone one and a half seasons unbeaten at this level at home. But to go there and win is just a remarkable effort for any team. And, you know, they've delayed Burnley's title celebrations a little bit longer. And like I say... If they don't get confidence from winning a game like that, what are they going to get confidence from? That's the thing. Obviously, they're going to be having a little look over their shoulder in midweek. Obviously, Rotherham versus Cardiff City on Thursday night is absolutely pivotal for, for several teams down there, both for Cardiff and Rotherham and others in and around them in the table. But, you know, you look at QPR's last two games, Stoke away next Saturday and then Bristol City at home on the final day. You know, that their games, if QPR want to win, they could win because, you know, neither of those teams who have got anything to play for except for pride now. So for Gareth Ainsworth, that win at Burnley, you know, that could be the catalyst just to nudge them 
to safety. You know, just get them over that finish line that little bit more and keep them afloat because, you know, to go to Burnley and win, that takes enormous credit and enormous character. And they showed it on, on Saturday. So fair play to them, a cracking victory. And like you say, it might just, and I mean just, be enough to keep them afloat. Yeah, I think it will be personally. I don't think Reading are going to get four points from the last six games, albeit we know who they've got to play and we'll come on to that later and the, the general picture at the bottom of the championship. For Burnley, foot has come right off the gas, hasn't it, really, since promotion was confirmed. They've taken two points from Reading away, Rotherham away and QPR at home since promotion was confirmed. Disgrace. It does mean that they can be confirmed as champions on Tuesday night at Ewood Park against Blackburn Rovers in the East Lanks derby, which it almost feels like, from a Blackburn perspective, that Burnley have done this on purpose. They're going to be right up for it to spoil Rovers' hopes of getting in the top six, although Blackburn are doing a pretty good job of doing that themselves, and to try and win the league at their great biggest rivals. I don't know if you've seen the reports coming out on Burnley this morning. I have that apparently they could face a points deduction. I think it's highly unlikely. This has come from the sun, by the way. It's not us making, you know, creating a story. It's nothing to do with us. But apparently they could be docked points for fielding a weakened team in their nil-nil draw Reading last uh, last Saturday. Apparently Huddersfield Tower have complained about it. Uh, and I've just seen a thing come up on the mail and apparently they're describing it as potential match-fixing, which I think is a bit of a stretch. But yeah, that could this be is why being a journalist can be so 20. hard sometimes because you've got people that do that Take and then out of context, add words, and makes it a lot worse. Match but fixing. Honestly. I know someone's just replied in the comment. How is starting a weaker side max fixing? You clowns. <laughs> I share that sentiment. Uh, yeah. Wigan Athletic two mil. Right. Hmm? I think Burnley will be all right. I yeah, wouldn't be worried. No, I think they'll be okay. Uh, Wigan Athletic 2, Millwall 1, George. Dramatic result at both ends of the table with huge consequences. Wigan lived to fight another day, first and foremost. The Latics would have been relegated on Saturday with defeat and if uh, potentially even a draw might not have been good enough if results had gone against them elsewhere. Instead, it's back-to-back wins for Sean Maloney's side, having beaten Stoke City in the week to keep their head above water. This is quite a damning indictment of Millwall, really, but I think they wanted it more, which is, you know, quite a, a statement given Millwall's position and what they're fighting for still. Will Keane and, and George Savile had uh, traded blows to make it one all in quite even game, albeit I think Wigan were definitely the better of the two teams. And then fellow Asgard, who's certainly not averse to scoring dramatic goals. I think you'll remember the, the screamer he scored at Luton right at the start of the season. And he buried it after a neat counter-attack. And I just loved the celebrations from Callum Lang. He absolutely lost his mind. We had Jason Malumbi nearly ripping his own head off last week. Well, this time it was Callum Lang who set up the winning goal with a great driving run. Uh, and the Latics lived to fight another day. They're on 40 points, George. They are four points adrift with only six left to play for. But they do finish with Reading and Rotherham. So they could still pull in. Huddersfield, they could still pull in one of Cardiff or Rotherham, depending on how their game against each other goes in the week. They've got to win both games to survive. If they get to 46, they've given themselves a chance, I think, and that's the best they could have hoped for four weeks ago, really, or when Sean Maloney came in. Without a doubt. I mean, if you'd have told any Wigan fan that with two games to go, you know, say two months ago, that you'd still be in with a chance, they'd have snapped it. If they'd not lost those three points. I know. It's remarkable, isn't it? You know, if they'd not lost those three points, they would be, you know, level with Reading at the moment. So it's it's really, really big credit to Sean Maloney for the job he's done. And, you know, we've said it, haven't we, since Sean Maloney's come in, that, you know, he's made them a little bit harder to beat. And the only, you know, the only real problem they've suffered in attack is just the, the simple fact that their squad's not, you know, as good as those in at this level, which, you know, you can't really argue against. No, there's no outrage, but is it, when you look at what they spend you and have, what the personnel... But you got. have to credit the character of the players and the individuals, the mindset of these players, because, you know, it would have been easy for them when that point deduction came in, just think, right, forget it, lads, job's done. We're, we're going down, forget it. But they've not done that. They've been galvanised seemingly by a manager who, you know, in the back of his mind probably still thinks... I'm going to be preparing for a League One promotion charge next season, a long-term vision. But like you said, with those two fixtures they've got left, they've given themselves a bit of a chance. You know, they, they need a, you know, they need things to go their way. They need other things elsewhere to go their way. But like I say, they're in with a chance. They've had a really good week, six points to go to Stoke and win, and then to beat Millwall, you know, 
That's a really good haul of points that, you know, especially against a team vying for the playoff places. So full credit to Sean Maloney. He's done a really good job in the last few weeks in terms of just galvanising the club and just giving them, breathing a little bit of life back into them with obviously all the trouble that's gone off in the background. So, you know, you'd say the odds are against them still. They are, you know, the four points adrift of Huddersfield at the moment. Huddersfield, of course, not played this weekend, have a game in hand. So... Which is Sheffield you know, United. It is. It's a week on Wednesday, I think it is. It's, you know, it's given them a chance. It's certainly by no means over yet. It's unlikely, you would think. But like you said, Reading away next Saturday, Rotherham at home on the final day, it's certainly set up for a really tense and interesting finish. And, you know, if Wigan can go to Reading and win, then, you know, they should still be with the shout on the final day, depending on what happens elsewhere. So... Credit to Sean Maloney. I think, you know, he's done a good job in terms of just galvanising the football club again, breathing a little, you know, bit of life back into things. And they've given themselves a chance. But as for Millwall, I think you've got to be really concerned about them now. They went through that spell, I think it was four or five games without scoring a goal. It's now one win in seven back-to-back defeats against, you know, Birmingham at home in midweek. That was a really shock result, that one. And then to lose at Wigan as well. But somehow they're still occupying sixth spot and of course it is worth stressing that we're recording this on Sunday morning before West Brom and Sunderland have played we've had to fit it in this morning because I've got to work later and we couldn't record this evening so it is worth just saying that you know the playoff it could be slightly different by the time this comes out Monday morning but Millwall at the moment as we speak in the winning one in seven so it's quite remarkable they're still in there and obviously we've, we've looked at it haven't we for ages that Blackburn game on the final day of the season just how pivotal that could be. But, you know, for Gary Rowett, I think, like we've said throughout the season, he's got the best squad he's probably had since he's been at Millwall. And they are wobbling at the worst possible time. They go to Blackpool on Friday night. And, you know, Blackpool away, two games to go. That's not going to be easy after what they did at the weekend with what they've got to play for. So, for Millwall, all of a sudden, they've probably gone from being the more certain one of this chasing bunch to get, you know, fifth and sixth possibly being outsiders, particularly depending on how West Brom Sunderland goes this lunchtime. So for Gary Rowett, I think he'll be really concerned because, you know, one win in seven at this stage of the season, it's it's dreadful form. Yeah, it's been a shocking week for Millwall. Two defeats to Birmingham. Wigan simply not good enough. They're inside the playoffs on goal difference, but as you say, that could change. Before, certainly could change before they play again next weekend. So I, I don't fancy Millwall at all, if I'm being completely honest. I'm fully aware that Blackburn are also six games without a win in the championship, but I, I fancy Millwall the least, I think, at the moment of sort of the four teams that I'm considering that are really going for these I mean, a real wobble, two places. It's worth touching on Preston 1, Blackburn 1, whilst we're doing the playoff picture, um, because, of course, Rovers and Preston knew the results before they kicked off at half past five. A win for Rovers would have put them fifth in the table. The carrot was there for Preston as well, who really needed to win the game to keep themselves alive. And from a position of going into the final few seconds and, and winning, Blackburn conspired to throw the, the result away for a second time in a week. Of course, they were 1-0 up against Coventry, deep into stoppage time, only for Ben Wilson to controversially score an equaliser. I think it was handball. I still think it was handball, if I'm being honest. I know Coventry fans won't find that a popular opinion. I think it's handball. Yes, it comes off a little bit of his chest and fire as well but I think his hand definitely gets involved and the referee should spot it so I think they got a little bit of fortune there a little bit of bad luck for Rovers but Rovers completely conspired and caused all their own problems at Deepdale there's no doubt about that you're 1-0 up in the 95th minute and for Ryan Hedges to run towards goal and try and chip Freddie Woodman from that angle this is such a young group and I've defended the inexperience and the naivety at times. But Ryan Hedges is 27 and a Welsh international. He actually played really well when he came on at halftime as well, which sours the whole story as well. And to, to make that decision is shocking, to be honest. He either drills it low, even fire it into the away end, or better still, run it into the corner flag, especially after what had gone against Coventry. But to, to try and chip the goalkeeper from that angle was was a really poor, naive bit of play. And then Preston go up the other end. Scott Walton slips, which is unfortunate. Again, I think a more experienced and savvy defender brings Liam Delap down and takes a yellow card and a free kick because he grapples with him. He does get backside. He could shove him over. He could get the yellow card. Dare I say if that had been Daniel Ayala, who's been out injured, of course, 
I think that's what would have happened. And maybe maybe the free kick still goes into the back of the net. But I think that was a risk worth taking. And I think that summed up where Rovers are at the minute. The fact that on two pieces of play there, they were just a bit nice, a bit soft and a bit naive. And it, it, there's little after this week that makes me f- think that they'll finish in the top six because they, they just might not be streetwise enough. And they might, just injuries might have come at the wrong time. They really miss Sam Gallagher, who missed the game, not getting a striker in January. And all that in the melting pot means that it was a really disappointing afternoon and week for, for Blackburn Rovers. But that meant that there was opportunities for others to take advantage of. And Coventry City were the big winners of the weekend, leaping up to fifth in the table after their dramatic equaliser at Ewood Park. I do think Coventry deserved a point, by the way, I will say, at Ewood Park. I don't think it was a scandal they got a point. I think they were good value for an equaliser, just the manner it came was a little bit lucky. But, not well, there was <laughs> probably was a hint of fortune about the, the winning goal in this game as well. But a deserved 2-1 victory over Reading. They were the big winners of the weekend, as I say, and they're up to fifth. Matt Godden with a really good finish for the opener. Lucas Joao pegging them back. And Coventry had to go again. I say a touch of fortune, only in the sense of Hamer's reverse pass blocked quite well, intercepted. It breaks back to him, which is a little bit fortunate, but a really cool finish. And Coventry did deserve the victory. They're up to fifth. They're in fantastic form. And after the week they've had, all the momentum, all the belief is with this football club. They've only lost one of their last 15 matches in the Championship. And I probably for the first time this season, George, you've had more faith than I have about Coventry because I think Coventry's start, first choice start 11 is good enough to finish in the top six. I don't know, or I didn't know, my reservations were about the strength in depth and the injuries. But in fairness, they've got a lot of injuries, particularly in central midfield at the minute. Liam Kelly, captain, club captain, who's very much one of these that's not really playing, but is still club captain. He's a good figure to be in round dressing room. He started his first league game at the weekend, which sums up where they're out with with quite a lot of injuries. Um, one win in 15. They've got all the momentum. And for the first time this season, I... I, I hmm? You just said one winning 15. Sorry, one, one defeat, one defeat in 15. One defeat in 15, yeah, you'll never get in the top six with that sort of form. One defeat in 15. It's the first time this season I truly fancy Coventry to finish in the top six. Well, they've certainly given themselves a very good chance. They've had a good week, haven't they? Seven points from a possible nine, that win at QPR. Um, obviously, the draw at Blackburn and then the win over Reading on Saturday, which, you know, you looked at it going into Saturday, you thought Coventry, next two games, Reading at home, Birmingham at home next weekend. If they can get six points from those two games heading into the final day, they've got a really, really good chance. And obviously, they've they've got 50% of that haul now. They beat Reading 2-1, as you've said. Gustavo Hamer, really the the architect of it all, the assist for Godden's opening, which was a brilliant finish, it must be said. That was such a brilliant finish from him. Really nice goal. Then, like you said, Hamer, a little bit fortunate with the second, but it was that determination, the desire of him to you know create the chance, create the move, and it's paid off. And, you know... Mark Robbins has done a phenomenal job, I think, with everything that's gone off in the background at that football club this season over the last few years. If he gets them in the top six, even if they don't see the job through and get promoted, I think they can hold their heads incredibly high. They've had a remarkable season. Manager of the season if he gets them in the top six? Well, obviously, it's the EFL Awards. It's the EFL Awards tonight, isn't it? As we record this, actually, is the awards this evening. And, you know, he's in the run. He's on the three man shortlist with Carrick and company. And, you know, I think he's a worthy nominee, I really do. But I do think Vincent Company, you know, people will say they'll just chuck that out. That parachute payment FC and all that, I don't buy that. We've said it throughout the season. We'll not go down that road again. But Company, for me, will be the manager of the season. I think he deserves it. But Mark Robbins, certainly a, a fully deserving nominee. But you look at Coventry, and for me, I think the big thing that potentially could play into their hands in this playoff race and... You know, there's nothing to say that Birmingham at home next weekend will be a gimmick. It won't be an easy game, even though Birmingham do not have anything to play for now. But, you know, you can never, you know, you can never say never in this league at any point in the season. But I think if if Coventry beat Birmingham, they'll obviously be in a really good position heading into the final day. Who knows what's going to happen in other games between then? You know, there's so much, so many little caveats that could crop up. But I actually think if Coventry go to Middlesbrough on the final day, Middlesbrough obviously have already wrapped up a playoff place. Will Michael Carrick rest key personnel for that game I in preparation for the playoffs? I think it's fair to say that he might. I think it's, you know, it's a possibility that he will. Obviously, Middlesbrough at Luton on Monday night, which should be a really good game, by the way. I'm looking forward to that one. But yeah, I think there's a chance that Middlesbrough could rotate for that Coventry game. So I think Coventry, you know, have got a very, very good chance now. They've had an excellent week. You know, the five games unbeaten, two defeats in 16, 
it's an unbelievable run of form, it must be said. And, you know, if they get into the top six, you would argue potentially, certainly of those that are going to take fifth and sixth who have been squabbling for the last two spots, they've probably got the best momentum with them. Obviously, Middlesbrough and Luton have obviously got all the momentum in terms of what they've done throughout the season. But in terms of making this charge for the top six, Coventry are probably the most confident of the bunch right now. And like I said last week after the QPR win, I think the thing that stands out for me with Coventry is that they've got match winners in this team. I think this is the key thing. You know, everybody for, for Coventry now looks towards Victor Jokerez as, as being their main man, which is which is absolutely fine. He is their main man. He's the, he's the main man that's done everything throughout the season. But I think Victor Jokerez, uh, excuse me, Gustavo Hamer is is stepping up. That's one mistake each now. Um, Gustavo Hamer stepped up in recent weeks. And I think he's now got 16 goal contributions this season between goals and assists, which is a remarkable return. And, you know, you look at him and Jokerez and, they're arguably being two of the best players in the division. And I was actually thinking about this last night. And I thought to myself, obviously, we're going to be, you know, in a few weeks' time, naming our team of the season. And even though we said last week the overall standard of the championship with the playoff race being, you know, nobody really putting a significant run together has been really difficult. I think this year could be the most difficult one to name a team of the season because I think there's been so many really strong individual performances throughout the campaign that, you know are worthy of a team of the season spot, but are not going to get in because you can't fit everyone in. But I'll tell you now, I'll certainly be looking at Jokerez and Hamer for mine. So I think Mark Robbins, you know, two games to go. They've got more points than they managed in the whole of last season now. They're in with a really good chance. Birmingham at home next week. It's got to be another three points, however however it comes. But obviously, I think a few Coventry fans, certainly, you know, we, as I said earlier on, we're recording this Sunday uh, Sunday morning. They'll be keeping a very close eye on West Brom versus Sunderland this lunchtime to see how that one goes. But fifth place with two games to go. Any Coventry fan in the world would have snapped your hand off at that a few weeks ago. Absolutely. Norwich City's playoff hopes went and died, George. They lost 3-0 at home to Swansea City. This was the end of Norwich's faint hopes, George, for the playoff places as Swansea blew the Canaries out of the water. Joel Libodier headed them ahead before Liam Cullen made it two with a close-range header. And the toxicity... At Carrow Road had always already set in before uh, McCallum was sent off. I thought the red card was a little bit harsh. There didn't look to be a lot of contact, but if you get the wrong side of your manners and your last man, and there's there's contact from behind, you run that risk of the referee sending you off. And from the moment, I mean, Swansea were already in complete control, but the minute that that red card uh, was brandished, that that was the end of the contest, really, even more so. And they they completely breezed the win. This was a. I was really surprised. At, we don't talk about betting on this podcast, but the prices, Swansea were three to one outsiders to win at Carrow Road, given the form of the two teams, given the form of Norwich at Carrow Road. That was a real shock to me. And Swansea have been excellent recently. Five wins in six, uh, six wins in seven, sorry, five clean sheets. I think they're going to run out of runway. They're going to run out of games to really cause any issues with the playoffs. But this was a really, really important run of results to the end of the season for Russell Martin to build some positivity, belief for next season. Um, Olivia and Cham made it free with a really stylish goal. He sort of just waltzed past two Norwich defenders and slotted it under the goalkeeper. He's been really good during this run in Cham and he's been a character that I think we've all known he's got talent and he's certainly got ability, but he's certainly been inconsistent and frustrated Swansea City fans quite a lot. So he's definitely, I think, having his best run in the side uh, in the last two seasons. He made it free. And a really, really good victory for us in mind. And the fact, as I say, the five clean sheets in the six wins in seven run is perhaps the most pleasing thing. Yeah, and I mean, you look at the league table now and you have to ha- you have to ask the question, where the hell have Swansea come from? All of a sudden, you know, there's a lot of traffic between them and the top six. I don't think they're going to get in the top six. But, you know, the fact that they are in the conversation, at least with two games to go, three points off, is, is credit to Russell Martin. You know, he's, you know, it was only a few weeks ago where... A lot of people were questioning if he'd be the next championship manager to get the sack. And all of a sudden, they've put together this remarkable run of form in, you know, six six weeks or so, where they've gone on this remarkable remarkable run. Obviously, a brilliant win in midweek against Preston that was quite quite entertaining by all accounts, that 4-2 win. And then to go to Norwich and win 3-0, you know, it's not an easy place to go, Carroll Road, let's be honest. Even though Norwich, you know, not been great there in recent months, but How still, it's, this no, season? It's, not one, it's not one of the easiest grounds on the on the championship circuit, but... To go there and score three without reply, that's a really good result. And Russell Martin, I think, like you said there, he can take a lot of positives into the start of next season with this. 
And Swansea fans might be shouting at us now saying, we're going to get in the top six, stop talking about as if we're out of it. You're certainly not out of it. You've got a chance. But as I say, there's a lot of traffic between you and sixth place at the moment, you know. But three points off, bearing in mind, I actually looked at the stats, funnily enough, last night. I think when they lost to Millwall, um, they were 15 points off the playoff places. And that was about five weeks ago. So they've clawed it back in, in remarkable fashion, to be totally honest with you. They've done really, really well. And, you know, I think the, the big thing for Russell Martin, like you said, yeah, you've touched on the clean sheets. They're also proving quite confident in front of goal again. You know, they're racking the goals up in, in the last few games. So that's another positive. Joel Perot, obviously not on the score sheet of the weekend, but he's obviously been banging them in recently. He's been excellent form. And Cham's been obviously chipping in now and again this season. So, you know, there is a good nucleus of a squad there. And, you know, I would imagine that interest in Perot will be quite high this summer. I think he's had two fantastic seasons. Obviously, he came into the championship on PSV Eindhoven at the start of last season as a complete unknown. And, you know, he's banged the goals in for fun over the last two seasons in a team that's not really threatened the top end of the table at all. And he's done really well. So there's going to be interest in this summer you'd expect. But nevertheless, Russell Martin over the last few weeks, he's proven that, you know, he could be the man for the job in the long term to take Swansea forward because they've had, you know, on the whole, a pretty disappointing campaign for what they would have hoped for. But they are finishing with a flourish. And, you know, they've got an outside chance of getting into the top six. I don't think it will happen. But stranger things have happened in this division. And, you know, with the way this playoff race has gone, who knows what could happen. But not the easiest last couple of games. It must be a stress for Swansea. But with the form they're in, you couldn't, uh, you couldn't deny them the chance of six points. Hull away and now West Brom at home on the final day. And, you know, that West Brom game, if, you know, if Swansea win next week, depending on what West Brom do in the next couple of games, that could be quite pivotal on the final day for both teams. So... Interested to see how it goes, but for Swansea, a very, very good run of form and one that Russell Martin deserves to be applauded on. But like you say, might just might just run out of games in the hopes of getting in the top six. We've touched on the picture in the playoffs. Let's move down to the bottom of the league now, George. Um, of course, Reading, we didn't really talk about Reading in the Coventry game. Reading, I do think they've been improved recently under Noel Hunt. I think they have been better. I think performances have improved since they sacked Paul Ince. I think the togetherness of the club and the group has clearly improved, undoubtedly. They are on 43 points. Blackpool have kept themselves in with a shout, George, on 41. They have won two of their last three games, beating Birmingham City away 1-0 on Saturday. And they moved to within three points of safety with victory at St Andrews. I mean, it was an absolute gift for them to win the game. A, a complete ricket from Kevin Long. Who, which was pounced on by Morgan Rogers, squared across for Ian Perveda for 1-0, and that was all she wrote. But we've definitely seen positive signs under Stephen Dobby since he came in as caretaker boss. He's made them he's, he's made them better defensively and stopped them being absolutely turgid in attack, which was the main issue. He's got players like Josh Bowler and Morgan Rogers back in the team, which undoubtedly makes Blackpool a better side. They've got Millwall and Norwich to finish, which isn't, wasn't isn't great and I would probably say I'm more optimistic that Wigan despite being a point further back could stay up more than Blackpool but that's mainly down to the fixtures that said Millwall obviously have lost to Birmingham and Wigan this week not in good form Norwich at Carrot Road are pretty horrendous too so it's certainly not within out of the realms of possibility that Blackpool could get out of this. I still think they will go down personally and I think they've, they've just not quite got enough to drag the other teams back into it. You know, QPR's win really does, I'm not saying it makes them safe, but it certainly gives them a massive, massive cushion at this stage in the season with only six to play for. But this was a huge win for Blackpool, even just to keep some pride. In fairness to Wigan and Blackpool, neither have down tools in these last few weeks. Both have really tried to keep themselves in the hunt and with two games to go, they've got a chance. They've got a chance. Yeah, they certainly have. They've given themselves a squeak. I think that was the line that Steve Bruce used to say sometimes when he was Sheffield Wednesday manager. They've given themselves a squeak of a chance. And, you know, Blackpool have done that. And Stephen Dobby, you know, I think he's t they've won two of the last three now. It's it's not a bad return, really, you know, for this stage of the season when it would be quite easy to, as well. to down tools. And, you know, you look at it, and I think the big significant thing potentially for Blackpool is that obviously we've got this week of championship action coming where we've got one game now per night in midweek, part of Sky's 10 in 10. But with the exception of Rotherham Cardiff on Thursday night, none of the teams in and around them are playing this midweek. So you say, for example, Rotherham Cardiff draw Thursday night and Blackpool play Millwall on Friday night to kick off the weekend's, uh, weekend's action. 
If Blackpool were to win that game Friday night, it would just put a little bit of pressure on their rivals ahead of playing on Saturday. So I think Blackpool, potentially, this could work into their hands the way the fixture list's fallen. If they get a win on Friday, obviously Millwall not going to be easy. They're going to be absolutely determined to get a reaction after two really bad results. But if Blackpool win that, they might give themselves an even better chance than we possibly thought. But, you know, at the moment, the big thing for them, I think, could be the goal difference that could come into play. You know, the five down on Huddersfield, you know, the 10 down on Cardiff. So that could come in, could come as a big factor in this say. But personally, I do think it could be a little bit too late. But like you say, you've got to give them credit. They've not down tools. They've not given up hope. And it just begs the question, maybe, had they got rid of Mick McCarthy maybe a couple of weeks earlier, could it have made a difference? Obviously, you know, hindsight in football is a wonderful thing. We'll never, ever know. But, you know, to have taken it, the fact both Wigan and Blackpool, considering they've been, you know, pretty awful for most of the season, the fact they're not mathematically down with two games to go and both still have a chance, you never know. They've given themselves an opportunity to, you know, write their names into the history book. I think it's unlikely, but you never know. Blackpool, Millwall, I think Friday night, that could be significant. If Blackpool win that, the pressure shifts to their their rivals ahead of Saturday. Who do you think is more likely to stay up if one of them was two out of Wigan and Blackpool? Well, I think you've, you've got to look at Wigan and say with their two remaining games, obviously, Reading away, Rotherham at home, Blackpool, Millwall obviously still got enormous things to play for. Norwich, highly unlikely they'll still be in the playoff race come the final day, depending on what happens. And it's, I keep saying this depending factor, it's because it's throwing me a little bit. When I look at the league table, most of the playoff pack have got two games left. When we record this this morning, West Brom have got four games left, which really, you know, makes it a little bit awkward to predict that little bit more. So I would say Wigan are the more likely of the two to pull off a miracle because of the games they've got. But you never know in this game. They've got quite you... a track record of it from, albeit in they the have. Premier League days. Yeah, they have got that ability to, you know, pull off great escape. So we'll see what happens. But nevertheless, I think Stephen Dobby, in the time he's had to work with the players, he's certainly got more of a tune out of them than Mick McCarthy did towards the end of his tenure, certainly. So you've got to give them credit for certainly, you know, keep continuing to keep going. It's not over yet. They're in with a chance and let's just see what happens. But I think for the, for the Blackpool fans, they've just got to hope and pray that their boys can deliver and hopefully one or two favours will come from elsewhere. But I think they'll be they'll particularly be keeping a very close eye on Rotherham versus Cardiff on Thursday night ahead of playing Millwall on Friday. Absolutely, George. I think it's probably poignant to mention Cardiff City 1, Stoke City 1 at this stage and a big result for... Cardiff, but it could have been even better during one all. They came from behind to get themselves level with Sorry, how how good a signing Sorry Cabin. He's been fantastic. I think he's there'll be a lot of championship. Truly excellent. He's Eight goals, I think he's got. You know, um, during his loan spell with, with well, Cardiff. I suppose, you know, if there was such an award, I suppose you could possibly say the the signing of the January window. Perhaps he's you know his goals could be the difference. I think in Cameron Archer would like a word with you probably on that. Yeah, fair point. Fair point to be fair. Um, no, sorry, he's Cal- been- Perhaps for the unexpected level, maybe. He's certainly yeah. coming from nowhere and, you know, he's done really, really well. He's been, and, you know, he looks a really promising player. Yeah, he's been really good since he came in. Obviously, he did miss a crucial penalty at one all, which would have given Cardiff all three points and probably would have had Cardiff safe on 48 if they'd won this match. But coming back to get something is important. There's a massive match at the New York Stadium on Thursday between Cardiff City and Rotherham. And that's even bigger because Cardiff City... We're obviously beating Rotherham in the fixture that was waterlogged and called off and certain social media videos would imply that perhaps Rotherham didn't do everything in their power to get that game on. But it's a big game, George, because Rotherham were also beaten at the weekend late on. They lost 2-1 at Bristol City at Ashton Gate and a dramatic and damaging late concession means the Millers aren't quite safe yet. And I think it's felt like they're safe, but they're not. Andy Vyman with the late, with the late goal, which condemned them to, to two defeats. Um, after Hugel had, Hugel's pen had cancelled out Tommy Conway's header. I don't think it was a penalty either, really. I think if you watch the replay, it's very soft. I'm not sure Zach Viner actually makes any contact with John Hugel. Rotherham, if you're from a Rotherham persuasion, you would say streetwise, I think. But personally, I don't think it was a penalty. So Bristol City might feel a bit of justice was done there with Viman scoring late on. Massive game, I say, on Thursday. Whoever wins is safe in my opinion, because that would put them on 49 points. That would mean their championship safety is done. A draw probably would be good enough for both as well. 
Do you think 47 points, if they were to draw, would be enough? But then you've got to also consider Reading finish with Wigan and Huddersfield as their last two games. So it's certainly not out of the possibility that Wigan, uh, that Hud, sorry, that Reading could win both of their last two games. That would put them on 49. So maybe a draw wouldn't be enough on 47 because Reading have got winnable fixtures. Wigan will think they've got winnable fixtures and Huddersfield will think they've got winnable fixtures because Huddersfield also play Cardiff, then Reading to finish. So there's so many teams still playing around them that actually maybe you are going to need, you might need 47 might be enough, but you might need 48 or 49 at this rate. Yeah, quite possibly. Personally, I think you look at it and Rotherham and Cardiff, I don't think they'd maybe content's not the quite word, but I think they'd be willing to accept a point apiece on, on Thursday night. I think if you offer both teams that it, now, shake hands, yeah, would take it now. It wouldn't obviously mathematically secure survival, but I think in the back of their minds, they probably would be thinking might just be enough. I look at it and I think Rotherham, obviously they've been a little bit up and down of late, let's be honest. They've had some really good results and then they've had some kicks in the teeth, obviously. You know, they, they held Burnley to a point. They drew at Norwich. They beat West Brom not long ago. So, you know, they've had some good results, really, Rotherham, to be fair. They've, you know, they've been probably the, the better of the teams at the bottom, shall we say, this year. They've enjoyed, you know, a lot better results than some of their rivals at the bottom of the table. But I think the surprising thing with Rotherham is, and I've only just gotten onto this looking at the league table, that they've actually, out of the teams we're discussing about who might drop into the bottom three, They've actually won fewer games than anyone else this season. They've only won 10, which is the same as Wigan and Blackpool. It's the draws that have effectively killed Rotherham, 16 of those this season. So maybe one more against Cardiff might just do it for them. You never know. But, you know, it's a big game on Thursday night. They'll be disappointed to have lost so late on at Bristol City at the weekend. That point, you know, it would have been massive. That would have had them in 18th. They would have been above QPR on goal difference if they'd have kept a point at Ashton Gate. I still think Rotherham will stay up. I still think Cardiff will stay up. Personally, I think it is going to be three of the current bottom four that go. I think, as we've said earlier on, QPR might just have literally got a leg over the line now in the fact that that win at Burnley at the weekend, you know, Gareth Ainsworth will not be willing to willing to um, call it a day just yet. He'll be aware that nothing's done yet. But, you know, Cardiff Rotherham Thursday night, big, big game. And then, as I say, Blackpool Millwall the following evening, massive night for both clubs for different reasons. So I think we'll have a very, a much clearer idea you know, possibly by Saturday morning, the head ahead of Saturday's games. Obviously, Huddersfield and will have a game in hand on the rest by the you know by the time we start the weekend's action for next weekend. There's just so many little things that you've got to point out that this could happen, that could happen. These have got a game in hand there. These are playing there. It would be so much simpler if they're all on the same number of games with two match days to go. But we know how this season's worked. It's not and like that. That would be boring. That it would be, be boring. boring. It would be boring. Let's be honest. It would be boring. We, you know, we love this league for its drama. It's what it's all about. So, at the moment, you know, for Blackpool, for Wigan, they'll be confident after their weekend results. They've got a chance. I think it's unlikely. Then it could boil down, to, you know, it could boil down to Huddersfield versus Redden on the final day. It could be a shootout. I really hope it does, just for the neutral. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go down to the wire, just as the playoff race is. And, you know... We're seeing throughout the football leagues this season, aren't we? We've got Arsenal and Man City at the top of the Premier League scrapping tooth and nail. The Premier League fight for survival is bonkers. The League One promotion race is bonkers. You know, the battle to avoid the drop from League One is pretty tight. We're just seeing this season where everything's so bunched together and there's so much to be decided in literally two, three weeks. And obviously the campaign finishes two weeks tomorrow, two weeks today as we as we upload this and, and put this podcast out. So it's going to be an interesting fortnight to the finish line. And the final day, I think, at both ends is going to be pivotal for so, so many. However, I think Rotherham-Cardiff, if they win that, if either of them win that game on Thursday night, I think they will consider themselves safe. I do too. I agree with that. Uh, finally, George, Hull City won Watford nil. Hull City, good value, but also probably a little bit fortunate, if we're being honest. There was a definite handball by Jean-Michel Serri. That should have been a penalty for Watford. He sticks his arm out. It's a definite penalty, um, and that 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 should have been a pension. It there was a, a lot of poetic narrative about Ozan Tufan scoring the the winning goal because he was quite a maligned character, having joined Watford in January last year while they're in the Premier League. Said to say fans did not take to him one bit. So for him to score the winner, um, for Tufan personally, quite a bit of a quite a nice bit of narrative and a nice 
uh, story arc for him. Hull getting better under Rossinha. It'll be interesting to see how they finish the season. They officially can't go down, can't go up, so they are confirmed. There's five teams, I think, confirmed now in the Championship for next season. Birmingham, Stoke, Hull. Um, Bristol City. Bristol City and, and one more. Watford. And Watford now, yeah. So that'll be interesting. We don't know who Watford will be led by. We don't know what the squad will look like. I imagine there's going to be some sales. Chris well, Wilder again was very four managers next season. You think we can be probably guess that? Maybe four, yeah. maybe five. Who knows? Chris Chris Wilder's been very critical, hasn't he, of Watford while he's been in charge? It's, I think it's fair to say he won't be getting the job. It's not worked out. It's not worked out for Chris Wilder. I don't think either. Really, in terms, of I'm not sure he'd want to stay. Uh, given the group that he's inherited and certainly his rant again after the midweek 3-1 defeat at home to Cardiff, raised fair points, got grabbed the headlines. It was very honest, very bullish, but I don't think he will be in charge of the club next season. So two clubs that have interesting summers ahead. I think there'll be a lot of recruitment for both and they'll be hoping to make sure that they're not mid-table this time next season. Yeah, definitely. They've got a lot of work to do and the question is, we're more than likely going to be repeating ourselves again next season because you know what Watford are going to do. They're going to appoint somebody, be optimistic, probably start the season quite well. A few games, poor, bad results, change the manager. They've got to realise at Watford, and seemingly they're not realising because they just keep doing it over and over and over again. This hiring, firing policy just does not work. It really does not work. And, you know, the proof is in the pudding now. Rob Edwards came in, harshly sacked after 10 games. Very, very harsh decision. And his appointment at the start of the season screamed as though they were going to change their ways. Young British coach. And, you know, look what he's gone on to achieve at Luton Town. It's remarkable. Had they given him a bit more time, that could have been them. Maybe, maybe not. We'll never know. But that was just ridiculous to get rid of him. You know, then they've gone through God knows how many managers since. Wilder's come in. And you thought at that point, yeah, stable, steady appointment. Should get them going towards the top six. He's won two of nine games in charge, I think it is. It's a shocking return, you know, for a squad of that quality. You know, for a squad of that quality, they should be doing better, both players and management. But the fact that Chris Wilder said that this is basically a team of individuals who technically do not know how to play as a team, you know, that that's quite damning. You know, for a manager to come out and say that, and Chris Wilder now, you know, he's not going to want that job permanently. I wouldn't have thought he's not going to get the job permanently, but I don't think he'd even want it with the state of things there. He's been very vocal and I don't think it's a case of he's going to want to stick this out. Playoff hopes are obviously now mathematically done. They can't get into the top six. So, you know, it's it's a real mess at Watford, to be quite honest. You know, they come down from the Premier League last season. We said that we didn't really know how things were going to work out. We looked at the Rob Edwards appointment. thought, yeah, quite, quite interesting. Something new for Watford. Might be a long-term thing. And, you know, 10 games in, they'd had enough of it. So... I think really they've got what they deserve because they've not been good all season. They've absolutely shown no consistency whatsoever. They've been, you know, one win, two defeats, a win, draw. It's been that sort of season. So they they deserve to finish mid-table, which, you know, looks like where they're going to finish. But I think Chris Wilder, I think for him personally, regardless of what, you know, the state of the squad, the the situation of the club and everything, I think he'll be really disappointed with how little an impact he's had because, you know, his stock has really fallen at Middlesbrough now at Watford after obviously the remarkable achievement he had at Sheffield United for so many, for you know, what, five years or so, something like that. You know, he's gone to Middlesbrough, didn't work out, gone to Watford, it's not worked out. I think for him now, he possibly needs somewhere, maybe away from the Championship, who knows where, to really get his teeth into something at a stable club that's got a long-term vision in place, maybe not necessarily with an immediate demand of promotion and he can build from the ground up was like he did in his days at Northampton and Oxford. So, Really interesting situation, but Watford, you know, let's be honest, if they'd have snuck into the playoffs in the last two or three games, that they wouldn't have deserved it because they've been nowhere near as consistent as those chasing the same goal. Absolutely, George. There's games every midweek, every day in midweek, as you said. On Monday night, we've got Luton Town versus Middlesbrough, which should be a really good game. Tuesday, the East game. Lancashire Derby between Blackburn and Burnley. Wednesday, we've got uh, Sheffield United versus West Brom. And on Thursday, Rotherham United versus Cardiff. So the drama does not stop this midweek, albeit they're scattered across the four days. So plenty more twists and turns to come before we next record on the penultimate match day of the season. All very fun. This is the Championship Chat Podcast.
Right, George, time for our shocks and bankers ahead of next weekend. What have you gone for? Well, I found a banker fairly straightforward. Shock, so not so much so. So for my banker, I'm going to go for Coventry to win at home to Birmingham. I've just literally seen, scanning through Twitter, that there are barely any tickets left for that game. It's going to be a huge atmosphere at the, uh, the Coventry Building Society Arena. The Coventry fans are going to be up for it. The club's going to be up for it. You know, a win could take them a giant stride. It could even secure it, depending on how things go elsewhere. So I'm going to go for Coventry to beat Birmingham as a banker. For my shock, I'm going to stick my neck out and I'm going to go with a Friday night game. And I'm going to go for Blackpool to beat Millwall at Bloomfield Road. Millwall obviously stuttering is we've covered. Blackpool giving themselves a sniff of a chance. If they win that, you know, if results go their way elsewhere during the week and over the weekend... They might still be in it come the final day. So uh, Blackpool is my shock and Coventry for my banker for next weekend. For my banker, I'm going to go for Sheffield United to beat Preston North End. Obviously, Sheffield United will play midweek against West Brom and that yeah, could and put them on the Worth cusp. saying they could, could get promoted, I think, Monday night if Luton failed to beat Middlesbrough, I think. If that's uh, correct. I'm not sure seven on the maths. points between them. So yeah, Luton would have one game left. Could get six. Two oh, games yeah, so left, Luton, Yeah, so if Luton don't win... Yeah. Uh, if Luton lose, sorry, against Middlesbrough... Oh, no, because then Middlesbrough would go above them. Just trying to work it out, 76. So, no, I don't think they can. It would take a big goal difference swing. That's what it need. But the Blades have got four games. So, possibly Wednesday night for Sheffield United. Possibly Wednesday night, but if they don't, the even a draw could put them on the cusp at the weekend and I fancy them with a packed out Bromley Lane even if it's just a packed out Bromley to celebrate I think they'll beat yeah. Preston North End who for me are at, are they out of the playoffs? No, no but not yet but unlikely the two I fixtures think. they've got I'm not confident they're in it I'm sort of looking at Coventry, Millwall, Blackburn and West Brom for two spots maybe Sunderland if Sunderland were to beat West Brom of course this afternoon so that'll depend on that and then for my shock um, I'm going to go for QPR to beat Stoke at the Bet365 Stadium. Stoke's form has really tailed off in recent weeks. QPR may have turned a corner. Maybe it's a flash in the pan. We'll see. But Stoke of of you know that great run they went on has just disappeared. All of a sudden, they've only won one of the last four or five. So for me, I'm going to go for QPR to win at Stoke as my shock. And Sheffield United to beat Preston North End as my banker and that marks the end of this week's championship chat podcast please make sure you are subscribed to this podcast feed wherever you get your podcast from and you'll get the latest episode from us every single week follow us on twitter and instagram at champ chat pod 24 a huge thanks as always to our sponsors cards accepted for supporting the podcast this season make sure you go and check them out at cardsaccepted.co.uk. thank you for listening and we'll catch you next week for another episode of the championship chat podcast This is the Championship Chat Podcast, your home of news, views and debate from England's second tier.